0: Okay, so I thought the best way to introduce Rich was just tell you how I know Rich a bit. Um, And I first uh, got to, got introduced to Rich, it was a Sunday just like today where he was doing a, what you'll learn is a loving Sunday here at Neighborhood Bible Church. And he asked us to open up the Bolton's and I think talent survey's in there. And it was uh, essentially—you'll, I think, hear a little bit about it here in a minute—but essentially, a way to get out and um, and serve uh, is is part of the message of loving. And I, for me, and uh, in our family, I was and 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 am still constantly looking for ways to make service not something that our family does that's extraordinary, but something that's ordinary. And it's difficult for me all the time to do, uh, but this was a way for me to do it. Uh, So I did a couple small uh, service things, and then my family did a couple small service things. It's been a way for me to connect with my parents to do some uh, service together, which has been great, as well as some friends uh, that I've had an opportunity to involve that way. And then through all of this, I've gotten to know Rich uh, a little bit better, uh, mostly um, as a – fellow believer in Christ, uh, but also a member of this church as well as uh, director of Love, Inc. So it's been very meaningful for me as Rich's ministry has helped my me and my family uh, uh, to serve. And it was uh, interesting to me last couple Sundays ago when uh, Dave had the, the cups, you know, Starbucks cups, and uh, how progressing through that uh, some maturity in your faith and living out your faith, that, that as as Dave was saying that, it was just so... Uh, evident to me that uh, I think Holy Spirit is working in this amongst this body of believers to bring Rich to us and give us this way to uh, to carry out our faith through service. Um, so I, I wholeheartedly believe in the ministry that uh, Rich has dedicated himself to, and that his family is behind, and this congregation is behind, and uh, I think he's got a good message and plan for us. So welcome, Rich, with me.
1: So whatever band member is using all this paper, they'll be right on this chair over here. I don't want anyone to uh, not have their music when they come back up. Well, thank you, Kel. One thing Kel forgot to uh, mention or chose not to mention, he is our latest board member on our Loving Board. As of December, he was uh, voted in unanimously and is a, a board member for uh, Love in the Name of Christ. So a lot of tie-ins between Love, Inc. and uh, Neighborhood Bible Church. This is refreshing to see faces. Normally, I sit back in about the fourth row. I see back of heads all, all uh, Sunday morning. So this is refreshing to see uh, faces. Um, I want to tell you that as the director of a uh, organization called Love, Inc., I get a lot of interesting responses when I tell people what I do for work. Um, my favorite response came from uh, Sheila Saldana from our church. When Sheila was five, uh, Jesse's daughter, when she was five, She asked me, um, Mr. Henderson, what is your job? And I thought, well, how do I explain this? I I just said, I'll make it easy. Um, I'm the the leader of an organization. And she says, well, and what is the name of your organization? And I said, it's called Love, Inc. And she thought about it for a second. She said, oh, so you handle relationships. (laughs) (laughs) So uh, first thing, we are not a dating service, okay? Some of you might leave right now. And uh, nor are we a tattoo parlor that uh, specializes in romantic tattoos, okay? Uh, the the ink in our name is spelled I-N-C, and it stands for In the Name of Christ. Uh, Love in the Name of Christ of Santa Clara County is one of the 134 Love Inc. affiliates around the country. And basically, a Love Inc. Uh, forms in a community when the churches in the community say, we want to work together to help meet people's needs. Uh, people with tangible needs call our Love Inc. office and... Um, The talent surveys that you've got in your bulletin on that green sheet will give you an idea of the kind of needs that we get calls for. Um, We, At the office, we gather the necessary information we need to uh, verify the need and to meet the need, and then using those talent surveys, we look for a volunteer from the closest Loving Church to where the client is to go out and uh, meet the need, and you'll have an opportunity at the end of my message to turn in those talent surveys. Love, Inc. is unique among nonprofits in that we don't do direct service for the poor. Um, what we do is we help the church do direct service for people in need. Think of us as a personal trainer for the church in the areas of ministries of compassion. You know, if you have a personal trainer and you go to the gym, your personal trainer doesn't sit down on the chair and uh, or doesn't have you sit on the chair and says, now watch me do your workout." No, he says, you sit on the chair, I'm going to watch you, and I'm going to help you do your workout more effectively. And that's what Love, Inc. does for the church. We help churches do benevolence ministry more effectively. We have three organizations, uh, three objectives. Our first is to meet people's legitimate needs in the name of Christ. So breaking that down, part of the legitimacy is the verification work that we do. For instance, somebody calls our office and needs a ride, we, we call the doctor. Does so-and-so have a ride on this day at this time, at this address? Not that they're going to lie, but if they get confused, they get the wrong doctor wrong day, that's going to be exercise and frustration. So we verify needs. Um, also, the second part of that is in the name of Christ, as soon as we answer the phone, we we uh answer it. Love in the name of Christ. So they know they've reached a Christian organization. Think about this. When you're um when you turn in that talent server, you're actually joining the local missions force at Neighborhood Bible Church. One of our core values is global, uh combination of global missions and local missions. Well, this is a great way for you to get involved in local missions. Uh, Most of the folks that call the Love, Inc. office are unchurched. The reason for that is if they have a church of their own, we try and get their church to help them first, which means that the folks that get passed through to Love, Inc. network churches tend to be unchurched folks. So it's a great opportunity for you to be an influence in the life of an unchurched person, to pray for them, invite them to church, share the gospel. If The Lord opens those doors. Many of the loving clients that I've helped in the past have been very open to uh, conversations about spiritual things, partly because they know I've taken time out of my day to show up on their doorstep and clear their gutters or uh, give them a ride or whatever. Um, our conviction is that the best thing that can happen to a person in need is for them them to be befriended by a Christian. That's the best thing that can happen to a person in need. Our second objective is to unify the body of Christ. Um, This area of a united benevolence ministry is about the least controversial thing churches can do together. You know, you think about the things that churches could do together. A lot of them cause controversy. Worship service, uh -uh, controversy. Evangelism, controversy. Benevolence, pretty little controversy. So it's a great way to uh, unite the church. It's also the kind of church cooperation that helps us regain credibility in the eyes of the community. When I tell people what I do for a living, you know what they say? They say, that is really cool. That is really cool that churches would do that, would work together on that kind of thing. And our third objective is to help Christians become more Christ-like through the spiritual discipline of service. I'm going to talk uh, the rest of the message about that, so won't go into detail now. All of the other information that you need to know about volunteering with Love, Inc. is on that, that yellow sheet in your uh, bulletin. So here's the deal. If you'll guarantee me, if you'll tell me sometime today, you'll take three minutes before the sun sets and uh, read that, or before midnight, and read that sheet, I won't bother to take the time to explain that. So I will take your silence as a yes on that, okay? All right. So this is now the third Sunday of uh, 2007, and so I have a question for you. How are you doing on growing in holiness this year? See if you can relate to this prayer. Dear Lord, so far it's been a pretty good day. I haven't lost my temper today, even with my wife and kids. I haven't lusted or had any impure thoughts. I haven't told any off-color jokes. I haven't driven over the speed limit or broken any other laws. I haven't envied the success of others today. I haven't slandered anyone or passed on any juicy gossip. To my knowledge, not a single unkind word has passed from my lips today. I haven't even messed up on my diet today. Yes, Lord, so far it's been a pretty good day, and I'm grateful. But in just a few minutes... I'm going to get out of bed, and then things are going to go get a whole lot harder. Can you relate to that? As as far as I, as long as I'm in sleep, I do pretty well sin-wise. But when I wake up and get going, that's when the struggles start. Um, so this morning, I want to talk to you about what the Bible says about how to live a holy life. How do you actually live so that at the end of 2009, you're more like Jesus than you are this third Sunday in January? Um, turn with me in your Bibles, or it's going to be on the screen if you want. Um, Galatians chapter five verse sixteen. Galatians chapter five verse sixteen. Galatians five sixteen. Paul says this, but I say walk by the Spirit, and you will not carry out the desire of the flesh. You just read the Bible's recipe for living a holy life. If you sum it all down, get it all down into one verse, you just read it. Galatians five sixteen. Walk by the Spirit and you will not carry out the desire of the flesh. Notice what Paul didn't say. Paul didn't say, if you want to live a holy life, try harder, Um, as though through our own willpower we could live a holy life. Another thing he didn't say is, if you want to live a holy life, just do the best you can. You know why he didn't say that? Because when you do the best you can, it's a miserable failure, right? Unless you're saved today, you know that when you try and live the best life you can on your own, without God's help, it's a miserable disaster. Um, Paul says the way to overcome the pull of our sin nature is to walk by the Spirit. That word uh, walk there denotes our conduct of life. It it talks about moving forward, making progress, going from where you are now to where God wants you to be. And it's in the present tense. It it says keep on walking, literally, uh, by the Spirit. Uh, For this next part, I need a volunteer from the congregation. Dave, I see that hand. Come on up. This is uh, this is payback. This is payback for all the times Dave has picked volunteers that didn't volunteer. Okay? So, uh, Dave, come on up. And I want you to share with the congregation, what is your greatest sin that you've ever committed? No, no, no. Okay. i got a list. All right. Come on up. We'll go up here so we have a little more room. So that uh, that expression, walk by the Spirit, I used to think it meant uh, this. So let's pretend I'm the Holy Spirit and you're the Christian. I used to think it meant proximity. So as I walk, the Christian would walk next to me, okay? So I walk, and he walks next to me. I back up. He backs up. I stop. He stops. We move this way together, okay? I used to think that's what it meant, to walk by the Holy Spirit, walk in close proximity, walk closely to the Holy Spirit. And there's certainly truth to that. You know, you do need to walk closely to the Holy Spirit. But here's the problem with this uh, illustration. Let's go ahead and walk. Okay, now, if I stop, he has the ability to keep walking on his own, Right? So you get the idea that you can make progress on your own without the Holy Spirit. I think that little word by there is not talking about proximity, but uh, for lack of a better word, instrumentality. Walk by means of the Holy Spirit. So come on back, and we're going to change the illustration. This time, uh, you're weak. You're really weak, okay? So you can't stand uh, on your own. And you're blind, so you can't see anything, okay. all right? And you got two bad legs, so if you try to walk you'd be in bad trouble. Now, this is what it means. The only way he's going to make any progress is to lean totally on the Holy Spirit, okay? So as soon as he lets go of the Holy Spirit, look what happens. Go ahead. You fall down to the ground, okay? Let's, let's give Dave a hand for, uh, for volunteering. I think that's really a better picture of what it means to walk by the Spirit. You need to walk in moment-by-moment moment dependence on the Holy Spirit for strength, for guidance, for everything. The moment you take a step on your own, uh, you're in trouble. Paul says this, too. Look at the rest of the verse. He says, uh, walk by the Spirit, and you will not carry out the desire of the flesh. The idea there is you absolutely, positively, will not carry out the desires of the flesh. You know, that just makes sense, doesn't it? If the Holy Spirit is the, is the third person to the Trinity, and if you're walking in moment-by-moment moment dependence on him, you're not going to sin. You, you'll live a holy life if you're walking that way. Uh, you will not carry out the desires of, of your sin nature. So, if that's right, if the key to living a holy life is walk by the Spirit, how do you do that? How do you walk by the Spirit? Turn, uh, one of the most helpful passages I've read on this is Romans chapter 8, verses 3 through 6. So, uh, either turn there or it'll be on the screen, either one. Uh, Romans chapter 8, verses 3 through 6. Paul says, for what the law could not do, weak as it was through the flesh, God did sending his own Son in the likeness of sinful flesh, and as an offering for sin, he condemned sin in the flesh, in order that the requirement of the law might be fulfilled in us who do not walk according to the flesh, but according to the Spirit. So he's talking about the same thing, walking according to the Spirit. Okay. And then uh, look at verse 5. For those who are according to the flesh set their minds on the things of the flesh, but those who are according to the Spirit the things of the Spirit. For the mindset on the flesh is death, but the mindset on the spirit is life and peace. So did you catch what he said was the secret to walking by the spirit? What we set our minds on. Those who walk by the spirit set their minds on the things of the spirit. Um, One uh, scholar I read said, said that that phrase set their minds on denotes the whole actions of the affections and the will as well as of the reason. So your heart, your mind, your will... It's all set on the things of the Spirit. And you think about it, that just makes sense, right? If a man loves money, if a man watches pornographic movies and constantly looks for an opportunity to get drunk, that man can be expected to be walking according to the flesh, to the sin nature. Similarly, if a man sets his mind and affections on the things of the Holy Spirit, that man can be expected to be walking according to the Spirit. So, how does a person set their minds on the things of the Spirit? Well, we set our minds on the things of the spirit by what's become known as the spiritual disciplines. Things like reading your Bible, uh, studying the Bible, meditating on it, prayer, fasting, journaling, solitude, worship, uh, confessing our sins. If you want to read an excellent book on that topic, uh, I'd recommend the book that the men's uh, group went through, uh, Celebration to Discipline by Richard Foster. Great book on the uh, uh, spiritual disciplines. And many of the seed thoughts that came from this sermon came out of his uh, chapter on service in that book. So I want to spend some time this morning focusing on on one particular discipline, and that's the spiritual discipline of service, of serving other people. I want to do that for two reasons. First of all, uh, that's what we do at Love, Inc. We provide service opportunities uh, for Christians to help people in need. Uh, The second reason is because it's one of the spiritual disciplines that tends to be neglected. Uh, ask most Christians, "What do you do to grow more like Jesus?" And not often would hear the response: "Serve other people." Um, for a lot of us, service isn't on the radar screen when we think about spiritual disciplines. Uh, look at this. This is uh, Luke chapter 22, verses uh, 24 through 27. Luke 22, verses 24 through 27 uh, set the scene for this. This is the uh, the Last Supper. Jesus is with his disciples. It's the uh, night before his uh, death. He's going to die the next day, Good Friday. And uh, listen to what happens. Verse uh, Luke 22, verse 24. And there arose also a dispute among them as to which of them was regarded to be the greatest. Now, this has got to be pretty discouraging for Jesus. He's going to die within 24 hours. And his disciples are once again bickering about who's the greatest? I'm better than you. I'm going to be higher in the kingdom than you. I'm going to sit on Jesus' right hand. No, you are. Yes, I am. This kind of thing. As as he's having the Last Supper, they're having this kind of argument again. I mean, this happened a lot. And uh, here's what Jesus uh, here's what Jesus says. And he said to them, the kings of the earth lorded over them. Excuse me, the kings of the Gentiles lorded over them, and those who have been called. Uh, who have authority over them are called benefactors. But not so with you. But let him who is the greatest among you become as the youngest and the leader as the servant. For who is greater, the one who reclines at the table or the one who serves? Is it not the one who reclines at the table? But I am among you as the one who, what's the next word? Serves. Jesus says, I am among you as the one who serves. More than any other person in human history, Jesus defined what it means to give your life and service to other people. So if we want to become more like Jesus in 2009, one of the things you can bet that you need to do is serve other people. Follow his example. Uh, Richard Foster points out that the discipline of service is the key way that God cultivates the character quality of humility in our life. You know, in a lot of ways, you think about it, Love, Inc. is a humility incubator, it's a way that people can actually become more humble. The, the service opportunities that we provide, if people engage in those with the right attitude, can make them a more humble person. Uh, let me explain what I mean. Do you know what the, the biggest objection that we get in the Love, Inc. office to, as to why people can't help? I'd love to help, but I'm just too, what's the next word? Busy. I'm just too busy. Uh, I want to bring up uh, Carl Jasper right now. The reason I'm asking Carl to come up here is uh, a couple things. One, at one time in his life, Carl Jasper uh, was one of the busiest guys I know, had one of the most demanding schedules of anybody I know. For a few years back, Carl and I served on the uh, elder board at uh, uh, Family Bible Church. I know he spent hours and hours on his eldering responsibilities. He's uh, married. He's got four kids and a dog. So I know he's got lots of home responsibilities. And at that time of of his life, he was the... uh, CFO, Chief Financial Officer of a Maxim Corporation, a high-tech firm in, uh, in the Valley here. And uh, that was not a 40-hour-a-week job, let me tell you. Uh, Carl, how many hours a week do you think you spent working at uh, Maxor?
2: About 42. <laughs> and that was Monday. You know, <laughs> yeah, <it> was right. <laughs> it was pretty busy. It's one of those, you know, you can't get away from kind of job 60 to 80-hour type places. Okay.
1: So Carl was a very busy man. But here's what you need to hear. Uh, during that time, at the, the peak of his busyness, uh, on an average of about once a month, Carl would spend part or all of a Saturday moving, loving clients. Um, do it with his family sometimes, sometimes without your family's help. But uh, in the middle of a, you know, 60, 80 hour work week, family responsibilities, eldering responsibilities, he chose to, to spend a Saturday or so a month helping other people. So, Carl, why did you do
2: that? Um, well, first of all, um, it was my way to serve uh, the community. Um, a lot of people get to go on a mission trip somewhere, whether it's Mexico, Zimbabwe, or whatever, which is great. I didn't quite have that opportunity, and I like to come home every night. So I needed something, uh, mission field that was close by, and I thought Silicon Valley was a great place. Um, just as a few examples, um, I, these are just moves that I did on, worked on. There was one lady. She was um, a Mexican-American lady. Um, I remember moving her, absolutely no, no family around to help her move. Um, another lady, she was uh, African-American, very overweight, couldn't move, had two children, no one there to help her, we moved her. Uh, another person, she was Vietnamese, had two children. I went to their house and it was filthy. I mean, it was so bad, it was like uh, embarrassing for me. She was blind. Once I saw the mother, she was blind and you know, all, all of a sudden it makes sense. Uh, another gentleman, um, probably Mexican-American, lived in the gay community, um, had a leg injury, needed someone to help him. Uh, no one to help came by, so we had another opportunity. And, um, trying to think of just some others. A lady was in a wheelchair, absolutely no one to help her move. So to me, it had nothing to do with their color at all. All it was was a human being out there that needed help, and that's all I saw, and it was a chance to, to serve them. And
1: as I mentioned, a lot of those moves w- weren't just Carl, but his family get involved. So share with us, Carl, what effect did it have on you and your spiritual growth, your life?
2: and the life of your family to get involved like that. Um, yeah, my kids are typical, probably just like me. All right, let's go help these guys move along. with think, oh, Dad, and I was like, <laughs> not on another Saturday. But um, actually, it was a chance for them to see, yeah, serving other people was uh, not so bad. It was something good. It fills in the day. And uh, sacrificing a little bit is something that you should probably, like to say it's an ordinary part of your life, not a extraordinary. So actually, I think they did pretty well for being young. They didn't regret it. They really didn't give me that much of a hard time. And I couldn't say no in because I'm their dad. So. <laughs> all right. Great. Thank you, Carl, very much.
1: Um, now, let me say that I understand that there will be seasons in all of our lives where we are legitimately too busy to help somebody else. You know, if you're getting married next weekend, you probably don't have time to help somebody move this weekend, Right. If you're a CPA and it's April, early April, you probably don't have the time to uh, fix somebody's car right then. You're flooded with the tax stuff, okay? But here's here's the deal. If you never have time to help other people, something's wrong. Uh, it might be pride. It might be my time is too valuable to spend helping other people. It might be selfishness. You know, my weekends and my evenings are the only time that I have to my, uh, myself, my only free time. Might be just plain old laziness. I don't want to help other people. Uh, one of the ways that we crucify our sin nature is to inconvenience our help, ourself and serve other people. Look at this verse. This is uh, Galatians chapter six ten. Um, Paul says this. So then, while we have opportunity, let us do good to all people, and especially to those who are of the household of the faith. Now, when he gave this command, Paul expected there would be times that you'd have opportunities. Right. I mean, why would he give us such a command like this if you thought no Christians will ever have those kind of opportunities? Um, uh, If you never have opportunity to do good to other people, something's wrong. I want to challenge you with this thought. A study in the New Testament uh, shows that a regular habit of serving the needs of other is normal for Christians. It's expected. What would be abnormal, according to the New Testament, would be to find a follower of Christ who normally didn't. Serve other people. Now I bring that up because that is totally countercultural, right? I mean, if you, if a person develops the habit of regularly serving other people today, they print their story in the Mercury News. I mean, that is a big deal. Most folks in Silicon Valley feel like, hey, if I, if I give a donation once a year to the March of Dimes, I've done my part. You know, and if around Christmas time I, I go down and I soup, serve a soup at the soup kitchen, man, I am above average. And the pathetic thing is they may be above average. Alright? Uh, I would submit to you that a lot, a lot that passes for compassion in our culture is really self-serving. I want to help because I want to get a warm feeling from it and I want to feel good about myself. And let me tell you folks, if, if that's your primary motivation for helping, don't fill out a talent survey. Because as soon as something goes wrong, as soon as a a loving client, uh, forgets to say thank you, you're gonna get tweaked, you're gonna get bent out of shape and you're not gonna want to serve anymore. Here's the deal, folks. Jesus died for the people that crucified him. That's the kind of master we follow. We we follow a master who just gives, who just serves, no matter, uh, no matter the response that comes back. Uh, it's through the regular habit of serving others that God teaches us to be more humble, which means that if you're not regularly serving other people, two things are going to happen. One, you're going to become proud, and two, your spiritual life will be stagnant. Um, I want to tell you from my own uh, uh, life a story how God used uh, service to teach me uh, a lesson in humility a number of years ago, before I was the Loving director, I got a call from the Love, Inc. office, and I was told that there was an elderly lady that needed a ride to a doctor 's appointment and I agreed to do it. I thought it would take about an hour and a half that 's kind of the idea I was given. Uh, I took her to uh, Kaiser and they were running late, and her appointment took longer than I thought. I dropped her off there i said i 'll be waiting in my van coming out when you 're done. And as the clock uh, ticked away and more than an hour and a half went by, it was well into two hours at that point, I started getting more and more annoyed. And it was right then that the Holy Spirit started uh, speaking to my life with things like uh, this. You know, Rich, I really love this person, and this appointment is important to them, and so it's okay with me if you wait. (laughs) And by the way, when you gave your life to me at 14 years old, Was this one particular hour excluded? (laughs) You know, Doesn't your life mean the whole thing every hour of every day for the rest of your life? So why are you so tweaked that I'm having you spend this one hour waiting for this person that I care about? I mean, wasn't this part of the deal? And I said, okay, all right, you're right, you're right. Uh, God used that service opportunity to teach me uh, about his lordship over my time and teach me a lesson in humility. Here's something for you to uh, chew on. Think about this. In some ways, performing little acts of kindness are harder for us than making a huge sacrifice for the Lord. Uh, let me explain that. In some ways, the idea of making one huge sacrifice for God has a sense of adventure and excitement to us, uh, especially if it means that we can get out of a, the day-to-day mundane type of services that he might call us to. Um, imagine it like this. Imagine that your ability to sacrifice for the Lord during your lifestyle is equivalent to $1,000, all right? Now, what we tend to think of is that it's like having a $1,000 bill. Now, I don't have a $1,000 bill. (laughs) I have a $1 bill, so use your imagination. And we tend to think that it's like the Lord uh, calls us to to a life of service. We take our $1,000 bill, and in one heroic act of martyrdom, we lay that thousand dollar bill down on the altar. we say, yes lord, boom we 're done, okay A more realistic picture is like this our Our life is like a thousand dollars, but it 's like a sack with four thousand quarters in it, okay, and day to day from time to time, the holy spirit's going to prompt you and say, "Make a sacrifice, do this so men you're uh, you're uh, done with dinner, you want to go read the paper, and the holy spirit says why don 't you uh, why don't you do the dishes for your wife? Okay, that's like laying a quarter on the altar. Um, ladies, your uh, your husband says, you know, why don't we invite that new visitor to church over next Sunday for lunch after church? So you know that's going to mean Saturday you've got to clean the house up, and then you've got to cook the meal, you've got to do all that stuff. That may be like a $3.25 you know, sacrifice that you're laying on the altar. You're at work, and you're facing a deadline. And a coworker says, "Oh, my computer froze up again. Can you help me?" And you're kind of the computer guy in the office. That's like a dollar fifty sacrifice. Now, here's one. Here's one. Uh, you made a reservation uh, to play golf, and you get a call from the loving office. You checked off on your talent survey that there's a uh, that you'd help do plumbing, and there's an 82 year old widow whose kitchen faucet isn't working, and the only way that you can meet that need is to give up your golf game on Saturday. Okay. Now, let me tell you about this golf game. You made the reservation for this golf game six months ago. Okay? Whole roll of quarters for that one. And the reason you had to make that reservation six months ago is because you're playing golf at Pebble Beach. <laughs> Another roll of quarters, okay? And, and, uh, here's the other, here's the kicker. You made the reservation at Pebble Beach. Because it's Pebble Beach, you had to put down a hundred dollar deposit just to reserve your tea time. That's pretty close to martyrdom, actually, right there, isn't it? Okay, But, I mean, isn't that more like what the Holy Spirit's more likely to do in your life? You know, day to day, tap you on the shoulder, why don't you serve? Why don't you do this? Why don't you do this? Um, Throughout the week, the Holy Spirit prompts you to lay quarters on the altar here and there in various amounts. We're prompted to serve when we would rather have other people serve us. We're prompted to be helpful when we'd rather be lazy. We're prompted to yield to other people's preferences when we'd rather insist on our own way. Richard Foster in his book calls this the many little deaths of going beyond ourselves. And it's exactly the way that the Holy Spirit uh, cultivates the virtue of humility in our life and makes us more like Jesus. Now, folks, here's the deal. If you really want to crucify your pride, try this. Do an act of service for someone and don't tell anybody about it. I've had the Lord call me to secrecy before about acts of service. And let me tell you, I just hate that. I hate that. Because I want when I do something good, I want to tell people. At the very least, I want to tell my wife, you know, to convince her what a great guy she married. <laughs> but, uh, but sometimes the Holy Spirit says, Rich, let's just keep this between you and me. And, oh, I just hate that. But you know what's happening? It's crucifying the flesh, right? And it's cultivating humility. Um, I have a weird kind of quirky thing that i do uh, nothing too weird <laughs> i don't want you to get the wrong idea but from from time to time i'll take a walk in a cemetery and i'll read the epitaphs on the tombstone anybody else here do that i might only hey all right i'm not so weird some other people do that okay now i do it to remind myself of my mortality that i'm only here for a short time and i want to make my life count because i think what would people write on my tombstone when i go uh, when I was doing this a few years ago, I, I was walking in a cemetery in Tuolumne, California, and I found this epitaph engraved on a tombstone. It's, it's in your uh, your sermon notes there. It says, The best portion of a good man's life are the little, nameless, unremembered acts of kindness and of love. Isn't that good? The best portion of a good man's life are the little, nameless, unremembered acts of kindness and of love. Turn to, uh, turn to this verse, Galatians uh, 5.13. Galatians chapter 5, verse 13. It's on the screen here, too, if you need it. Um, let me set the stage. Paul, if you've read the book of Galatians, it's like a mini-verse of Romans, a uh, mini-book of Romans. Paul is arguing for the fact that we are saved by grace through faith and not as a result of works, not through keeping the law. Okay, And uh, he's been arguing that, and then he gets to this, Galatians uh, uh, 5.13. He says, For you were called to freedom, brethren, only do not turn your freedom into an opportunity for the flesh, but through love, serve one another. You know, understanding grace, people got have a temptation to say, you know, I'm saved by grace. It's not based on me. It's based on what Jesus did. So I'm just going to take it easy. I'm just going to do whatever I want to do. And Paul says, uh, if you take that up here and you uh, indulge the flesh, you use your freedom as an opportunity to indulge the flesh. The truth is you're actually going to be, led back into bondage. The way that you maintain your freedom is to willingly choose to serve others out of love for God and neighbor. You know, it's one of the great paradoxes of our faith. We remain free by becoming a bond slave. Christ sets us free from the law, not to sin, but to love, which inevitably leads to service. Uh, I wanna bring up another member of our congregation, Patty, Patty Lucia. And, uh, Patty has served, Loving uh, Love Inc clients in two capacities. One is that, uh, she has answered the phones at our Love Inc office. So as people call in, she's been one of the people that has taken the needs, got the information, and, uh, helped look for a person to help them. The other is that she has, um, she has served clients herself. She's met the needs of clients herself. So, uh, first of all, Patty, tell us what, uh, what kind of things have you done for clients before?
3: Um. Well, there's one gentleman that couldn't leave his apartment due to illness and uh, disability. So I did his uh, shopping for him every week. Uh, but it, that continued on for about a year for him. And uh, it, it served for him.
1: Okay. So shopping every week for a year. And, Patty, tell us, what, what effect did that have on you? How did that change your life as you helped either him or other people through, uh, through loving? Um.
3: To me, it just felt good helping him, uh, realizing that you know how fortunate I was to be able to get out and do my own, um, my own things that I had to do, and knowing that he couldn't do it. It just, it felt good to serving him. I
1: want you to hear this. We tend to think. Uh, stay up here for a second. We tend to think when we serve, the other person is 100% the beneficiary. We get nothing. That's not true, right? I mean, you listen to Patty, you listen to uh, Carl, you listen to uh, other folks that have helped people out. When you serve, you get blessed, right? Jesus says it's more blessed to give than to receive. It it, it works with service as well as money. Um, talked about the way that uh, the fact that serving others is one of the ways God helps us become humble. Another way is through allowing other people to serve us. That can be a way that God can can teach us humility. I bring that up because one of the opportunities on your talent survey uh, that I want to have you pay special attention to is the line there that says uh, provide budget mentoring. Uh, we have a, at Love, Inc. A, a budget mentoring program that we have uh, devised. It's a uh, it's an eight-session cor- uh, course. It goes over about uh, uh, 17 weeks or so, and it's basically a chance to help folks Come together, put together a household budget. How do you cut expenses? How do you get out of debt? How do you increase your income? How do you live within a budget? How do you modify things when life throws you a curve? Um, now, there's two reasons I bring this up. Some of you here may already budget, and you know how to do this. You could be a blessing to someone else. So if, you're, if that's the condition that you're in, please check that box on your talent survey if you're willing to serve in that way. The other reason I bring it up is there might be some of you here that could use that kind of help. Maybe you need to take a step of humility and say, you know, I could use somebody to help me with my finances. Uh, Patty is a graduate of our budget mentoring program, and uh, she took it in the spring of 2008. And Patty, just share with us what effect did that have on you to go through that budget mentoring program? Um,
3: Actually, when I went through it, I thought I was doing pretty good um, on my budget, and I found out I wasn't. (laughs) So it did help me uh, find a lot of ways to cut back on things. You know, change things that might save money, different ways to look at saving money. Um, I just, I encourage anybody to go through it because it was well worth it. And I'm still learning from it and learning things to cut back on things. It's definitely made a big impact on my life.
1: Can we give Patty a hand? This took a lot of guts to come up and share this. Thank you. If you need that kind of help, we have these brochures at the back of the church. You can pick one up, call our Love, Inc. office, sign up for that budget mentoring program. It starts uh, uh, January 27th, so right around the corner. Um, Albert Schweitzer once said, there are two classes of people in this world, the helpers and the non-helpers. I want you to honestly ask yourself, what class am I in? Am I a helper or am I a non-helper? And if you say, you know, I wanna be more of a helper. Uh, I've got two things to challenge you with this, to, uh, this morning. The first is to fill out that talent survey and give yourself those like, kind of opportunities to serve. We're gonna have the uh, band come up in a few minutes. They're gonna play. What I've learned is if people take these talent surveys home and think about it, we don't get very many back. The best way to get the most back is to have people do it right then. While the Holy Spirit's working, have them, have them fill those out. So we're gonna have the band play. We'll give you three or four minutes, fill those out, You know, uh, Dave's going to give you instructions how to turn those in. But uh, in doing so, you're joining the Lord's Benevolence Army here at the Neighborhood Bible Church. The second way uh, uh, is a prayer. In your bulletin is written this prayer. This uh, comes from Richard Foster's book. It just says this, Lord Jesus, as it would please you, bring me someone today whom I can serve. Here's my challenge. Pray that prayer every day this week, between now and next Sunday, and just see what the Lord does. Pray it sincerely. Uh, Lord Jesus, as it would please you, bring me someone today whom I can serve. Um, That prayer, if you pray it sincerely, will go a long way towards crucifying the flesh and setting your mind on the things of the Spirit.
4: All right, well, we're going to continue in worship right now, and um, so just to clarify, go ahead and take those talent surveys uh, and pass those to to the row, and as the ushers come forward to receive the offering they 'll just be able to grab those from you. Um, also, I just want to make note of the fact that uh, in our in our bulletin this morning is just a little note on on money at, at neighborhood Bible church. We just want to be really clear about that and up front about that. Uh, we have this um, this campaign we 're doing right now just called Debt of Love and i just want to say that we're doing really well with that there's just a lot of generous gifts that are coming in and people are holding to their commitments we took uh we took some commitment cards in just at the end of october and um we're just really excited about that and and if you have any questions about that wondering uh, what was that again? Why was it debt of love? And what are we doing with that money? And what's the update on some of that? Uh, we'll be sharing that from the front. But if you miss that part of the Sunday or whatever, you may be a little bit lost in that. So we just want to make that really um, clear. Also, just along those lines, many of you gave in 2008. And we have tax letters available for you um, to help your CPA not go crazy. Um, and so those are available just in the at the back table. So um, anyway, Rob's going to pray for the offering right now. And then uh, we'll... Uh, we'll Worship the Lord some more. Yeah, would you bow your heads with me? God, we uh, we want to offer up to you this morning our money as a, another uh, act of worship. And God, we ask that you would use it for your glory today, Lord, and, and beyond today. God, we know that um, the money we give you is is hardly the purpose here of all of this. It's simply sacrificing uh, for a greater purpose, for a greater goal. So, Lord, um, bring people into your kingdom with this money, Lord. Use it for powerful, mighty reasons. In Jesus' name we pray. Amen. Um, Just really quick, I just want to make a couple of comments. Um, Some of the things Rich was saying. Where's Rich at? Thank you, Rich. Appreciate that. That was really um, good stuff. I just want you folks to know that um, every single month there's there's a... little group of Willow Glen pastors that are meeting together and they're looking just how to be more unified and how to encourage one another. And just to just to say we are on the same team. It's a Willow Glen Pastors Association. We happen to have hosted it this month. Um, But I want you to know Neighborhood Bible Church isn't doing it the right way and we're against every other church that's out there. Um, Rich said it really well that one of the reasons that we're really excited as an elder board about love in the name of Christ Is that it's something that we as christians who follow jesus can just agree on and say yes There's something just right about that. We know the lord would be involved in this I also want to make this comment that um We aren't going to say as a church on one extreme We could just say anyone who comes to us and wants to ask of our time and serve us and And receive from us. We just say, oh, no, no, we support Love Inc., so let's send them on to Love Inc. That's not what this is about, is that we, um, you know, kind of off-sell all of our service through some organization. It should be a healthy mix of both and. That there ought to be just some You know, left-hand, not knowing what the right-hand kinds of service things that already are going on and should continue to go on. But some of you would say, man, I feel so moved to move from a venti cup of attending worship services. Uh, I'm in a community group. I, I really want to start serving. How can I do that? I see other people, but there's no way I could do some of the things that this family does. And I'd never dream up that ministry. This is a way to just say, man, I want to avail myself to the myriad of needs third thing I want to touch on, he brought up this fact um, in, in the in the passage, it says to just uh, um, not lose heart in, in continuing to do good and it says to all people, that would be those outside the church, non-Christians it also says and especially to the household of faith sometimes people get it wrong either way, they do all serving inside the church which is fantastic and they never have non-Christians come across their path, here's a great way to just um, capture that in your bulletin, there's a few things I want to highlight. One is just this. We have 17 of our middle school students and leaders away on a retreat this weekend right now. And, um, I'm just so pumped about that. I'm so excited. Many of them are your kids. Many of your kids invited friends from their schools that maybe this is the first opportunity they've ever had to just be around Christians and get a taste of what the gospel's about. Would you be praying for that? I've been praying intensely because my child is on it. But I would call you as a church to pray for our leaders. Pray for that ministry as it starts to, to get off the ground. Secondly, I just want to make note of the fact that we're having a baptism class today right after service. If you're interested in that, want to find out more, come let me know. We're having baptisms in a couple of weeks here. In your bulletin also every single week is an opportunity for you to memorize scripture, to hide God's word in your heart, to begin to set your mind on things above, to learn how to walk and step with the Spirit. And just start starting by by memorizing scripture. It also points out that next week we'll be in John chapter nine. We're taking the whole chapter. What a leap of faith! And uh, I'm going to try and keep it to under two hours. And uh, kidding. Come back. Um, but just read ahead. I would just challenge you read John nine this week and just find out where we're going and allow the Lord to minister to that. Secondly, in here or, or lastly, I should say, before we close in a worship song, it's just that um, community groups are, are forming up again after a winter break. Um, It couldn't have been a better lead-in for our Friday morning men's group. The study we're going through, and it's just saying, man, we don't want to just talk about being Christians. We don't want to talk about being servants. How do we put this into practice? So starting this Friday, I've got books up here available for those of you who are in the group and needing them. We start uh, Friday, 7.30, and there's all kinds of groups happening all through the week. Men's groups, uh, ladies' groups, and then just um, family groups and individual groups. So come and find out more. The back of your page has all the information you need. We've made it really simple to get plugged in. Um, We love you. We're here to support you. Um, You have friends and neighbors that need to be here and need to be tasting of this. So um, take a step of faith. Love them in by, by welcoming them into community. And if uh, you are dismissed, uh, go grab your children, and we'll see you back here next week. Thanks for War